Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I'm John Shirky here with my friend, my co-host, Jamie Wagner. We get to do it again. Good to see you. You as well, man. Um, I am, I'm pumped up. We got a major golf tournament staring us in the face starting yes, well, it's going to be over. Right? It's going to be over yeah. by the time. Just finishing mm-hmm. when this when this episode comes out. But man, like a little bit like this conversation, it's just fun to be excited about what's coming, right? It's fun to be excited about what this new next opportunity is. I love major tournament golf because like everybody knows what's at stake. Everybody knows how important this is for legacy and all that stuff and so everybody brings their absolute best well we get to talk about maybe when our best isn't there right as a high school graduate what do you do what do you choose to do to give yourself another opportunity to go and seek that out to prepare you for the next thing who we talk today coach we've got coach matt dugan on today he's the coach of bridgeton academy new first year uh, he's been in and around that area up in, in the New England area for a long time. Coached 10 years in the college ranks, played Division three. We didn't actually talk about that, so we'll have yeah, to ask yeah. him next time when he comes back. Yeah. But um, been in the coaching game for a long time and now has taken this position at a postgraduate program. And if, if you're listening and you have no idea what I just said, I didn't really know either. And this is kind of a random act of, hey, this let's make connections and see what happens. And I learned a ton about this and I'm, I'm super excited about this concept and what it offers people, Jamie. Well, and, and the thing that we talk about a lot is how do we grow people, right? Yeah. How do we develop people and, and Bridgeton and a, a postgraduate year, right? That year between uh, high school and college, maybe for whatever reason you need to increase academic uh, standing, you need to increase your athletic ability, whatever it might be, you choose to take a year. Well, they get, to focus a highly intensely focused year on what do we do to grow you, to prepare you for that next opportunity. And, and and I I'm pretty candid about this. Having been a teacher, like I think kids get into the real world, quote unquote, if we're talking about a John Mayer song, there's no such thing as the real world. It's just a lie. You got to rise above anyway, the, the quote unquote real world, probably too quickly, because I think 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, the maturity level was maybe more capable of handling the demands of, of the real world. Now we aren't there. And so when we, I think 23 is a really uncertain time for a lot of graduates from the collegiate 19 is also a very uncertain time. Right. And so they're saying, let's be there to help people do that. And then let's, let's put sports in because we know that that's really important for a lot of people that make that choice. And so how do we marry those two things? And Coach Dugan just gives us a really cool layout of who they are and what they do and how they go about kind of meeting those goals. And it, it gives us a lot of challenges to think about for ourselves. You know, I, I also want to challenge you if you're listening to this and you're saying, hey, there's another football coach on. This is this is not about football. We didn't really talk football at all. We didn't know, but I, I just want if you're listening to this, know that you are going to get better. And whether you're in business or in education, healthcare, whatever it is, the concepts that we talk about and the, the questions that he answers for us today, Jamie, are applicable in, in every area. And I think that's that's all that's always our goal. But this this one was, I mean, it's like, man, it's very clear connection to all those different areas. Because all of us transition. Yeah. Right? All of us have these transition periods, these hinge moments that we've talked about so many times. We all have these transition periods of life where we find ourselves asking questions or I'm not ready. I don't quite get it. Okay. Take some stuff from today and apply it. And I, we didn't even, so uh, we didn't do this in the out, Jamie, but now I'm, I'm thinking about it is that like so often we get caught up in the well, we have all this time to develop yeah. and grow and change yeah. and do these things. Right. And one of the unique challenges that he talks about is that, yes, it's nine months. Yeah. What if we did that in our organizations, in our families, in ourselves, we said, Hey, what? we only have this amount of time. Yeah. Let's go be aggressive and do this thing. So powerful, man. And man. Like, 
what if we had to turn over and start brand new nine months from now, a year from now, three years from now? What if we just gave ourselves arbitrary deadlines and said, how do we, how would I do it differently? Even if we don't change the whole thing, what if we just ask, how would I do it differently if I was limited by this factor? I, it's, it's really good. It's really good. We got better today. You will as well. Here we go. We now welcome on a very special guest, Coach Dugan, not Duggan, not Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Coach Dugan of Bridgeton Academy. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me here. So kind of, go I'm, ahead. I'm curious about Bridgeton Academy for one reason and one reason only. What you guys do is pretty well. I mean, I'm curious about it for a lot of reasons, but my primary reason is what you do is really unique, right? In terms yeah. of being a bridge year, right? In reality, to um, to facilitate some some personal growth, I think is, is the bit is the big goal and, and help athletes get to the next level to, to play collegiately or, or whatever it might be. Talk to us about what, what you guys do specifically, not my gloss over look, right. And sure. then, and then what drew you to the place in general? Yeah. So, and I, I've known about Bridgeton. So I, I grew up uh, in new England, about a half hour North of Boston. So probably only a little over two hours from where I am right now. I'm, I'm, I'm actually technically on campus right now in a temporary place they put me up in and, I played against Bridgeton when I was a, a JV player uh, at Springfield College in Springfield, Mass. Back in 08 and 09, so that was my first experience of, of playing the place, and you know, just kind of knew about it from being in Maine for the last seven years, and um, came down for the interview and got a really cool feeling here because it is, like you said, it's the bridge year for really a pretty wide range of students. Like I remember, I remember having a maybe not so great of a, a thought process about what Bridgeton Academy was. I think sometimes it used to have a reputation of, oh yeah, it's just a lot of dumb jocks that go there. Cause we are a very athletic school. You know, each year we, we have about 160 to 175 uh, young men. Cause we're, we're an all male school um, that come here and we have seven athletic teams and almost every single kid we have on campus is on one of those athletic teams. And the kids choose to come here for, I'd say it's usually one of three reasons, right? It's either athletically, they just, you know, COVID was obviously a big thing. Kids missing seasons or a kid misses a season with an injury, or they just feel like they're behind and they just need another year athletically, academically. And like, look, we have kids here that are 4.0 students. Like I have, there's two quarterbacks we got coming in next year who are a 32 ACT and a plus 1400 SAT, right? So we have really like high achieving academic kids here as well. But if a kid, you know, is just a little bit behind and needs to kind of recover academically, we help some kids out in that way, or they just need it from a, a social standpoint, maturity, discipline, just kind of all of those social skills, or it's a mix of all three of those or any of those reasons. And they come here and it's, it is an experience that is going to prepare them for the next four years of their life. You know, so they come here and it's, we're not high school, but we're not a college, right? We're really truly somewhere in between. But I like to believe that we, we try to model the college model as closely as possible. You know, almost all of our students live in residence halls here. Um, you know, we try to run things from an athletic side as much like a college program as possible. You know, I have a, a ton of respect for the, the guy who was the previous head coach before me, who coached at Bridgeton for over 30 years, head coach here for, I think, almost 25 years. And he always ran it like a college program. And, you know, with me coming in, having 10 years of college coaching experience, that's really what I'm trying to do as well. You know, so the kids have a full academic year here. They can earn collegiate credits while they're here on campus. You know, all of our athletic programs are year round, you know, and football is a little bit different. We only play games in the fall, but like you'll see our, our soccer team, our baseball team and our lacrosse team playing games in the fall and playing games in the spring. And then even for us, even though we're not playing games in the spring, you know, it's in the weight room with our strength and conditioning coach. And then we're on the field at least once a week just to be able to help grow and develop these guys to then get them to the next level. And then also too, it's just, it's just, you know, and you kind of mentioned glossing over it, but really I think what the guys gain the most from is just the full year experience of once they leave from here, it's like, one of the things that was really not worrisome, but I was just like, you know, when I took the job, I was like, I started thinking about all the kids I've coached at Colby over the last several years. 
and all these kids that like, like there's a rising senior at Colby now who I recruited. Right. And so I've known that kid for five years and I'm like, is it going to be the same at Bridgeton? Right. Am I going to be able to recruit a kid, get him here? He's here for nine months and then he leaves. But I think sometimes that the, the kids that come here really need this place in ways that they don't know that when they leave here, I think that the relationship is, is really, really strong. And even though they spend nine months here, the connection that I think that they have with one another and with the staff members that are here are, is, is really, it's really a pretty, a pretty cool thing. Pretty unique that we do. No, and I, I unique is absolutely the, the word of the hour. Um, and I, I think part of a huge part of what drew me to you coach, I mean, we got connected randomly. We were just talking about that. I was on a head coaching list that you had, you sent me an email and I was like, Hey, and honestly, most of the time now it's three years removed. I don't even respond anymore for some reason. Right. And I, I firmly believe that everything happens for a reason. And some reason I chose to respond and say, Hey, thanks. But you know, this is what I'm doing now. If you ever want to come on and you're like, yeah, let's do it. Which is, which is super awesome. And then I started looking at it and it's like, and this is super relevant to what we do in terms of helping people find their best in whatever aspect that is, whether it's life, academics, athletics. And, and when I started digging even deeper into kind of the, the values of, of, of Bridgeton, I was reading something today on the website and it talked about, you know, it's obviously you said it's an all male school and this, the stat that kind of slapped me across the face was 50% of male students who go to college don't finish. Mm. Yeah. That's crazy. And, and, and how much of that is because of that, whether it's not ready academically, athletically, or maturity wise, I mean, we can all be honest guys are not as mature as our female counterparts at that stage of our lives. And if we took a year to, to, to go and really get right with all of these things, what would that look like for that 50%? Right. And what would the, how would that change it? Right. And we don't, you know, like we, and we don't, students don't burn eligibility when they come here either, you know? So it's not like they're coming here and their clock starts because it's not, it's, it's truly that in between. And I think another cool thing that we offer, and I think like in Minnesota where you guys are from the, postgraduate is kind of a thing, but I think there's certain areas of the country where postgraduate is like, people don't know what it is. Like it's high school, JUCO, college, right. It's kind of how they view it. Like I'll talk to a kid in, I don't know, California, and they just don't quite know what PG is up in new England. PG is huge. Like there's, there's high schools all over the place where it's nine through 12. And then there's postgraduates. Whereas we are not a high school, right? right? We have postgraduate kids. And from a football perspective, we play against all collegiate competition. So we're playing against division one, division two, II, division three JV teams. So we sell that to our guys too, is like, Hey, you're coming here. And like, you're playing against 18, 19, 20 year old college football players. So when you get out of here and you move on to the collegiate level, like you're going to have a leg up, you're going to be ready to go because you've done the move into a dorm play against college football teams by the time you get to your four to your four years. And I actually, I spoke to a recruit probably about an hour ago um, who I said that to him about, you know, taking the extra year and not burn eligibility and how, you know, a kid might choose to come to Bridgeton Academy because they're not ready to go to college. Well, if say if Bridgeton didn't exist and that kid chose to go to college and he wasn't ready that freshman year, just, he might've had a, you know, a 2.1 GPA and, you know, never made the bus, never made the depth chart at all. Well, it's like, what was that freshman year? Yeah. It was a learning experience for him, but all of a sudden he's down, he's down to three years where it's like, Hey, you can make those mistakes here. Cause I mean, that's a big part of what we encourage too. like, you're going to make mistakes, right? Not that, not that we're going to say that that's what your, your goal is every single day, but come here, work hard. You're going to make those mistakes. You're going to learn from them. And then guess what? It's almost like you're getting a second opportunity at that first impression, that first year when you get to college. Well, I was just working with a leadership team earlier today also where we were talking about fail fast, right? Fail fast, fail frequently, fail together, right? Kind of like learn from each other's mistakes, learn from like compound the process by not having to go through all of the mistakes on your own. And, and I'm a former teacher and, and, and one of my kind of hangups around the formal education system, just generally in, in the U S specifically is kind of this really regimented, like, here's the next step. This is what you do. Doesn't matter if you're ready or not. You're 18, you graduated from high school, you're supposed to go to college and it's four years. You're supposed to get a job 
and just like we have a set of expectations that are really loaded with, I, I mean, there's a lot of mental health needs that go into that, that ex, that first year, there's a lot of, you know, um, maturing, like we've been talking about, but just physically, emotionally, like taking on a, a, a college class load, all that stuff is a whole new challenge. And it's great. Like, let's challenge people. Let's, let's put it out there. But if there are people that are not in a place where that's going to be a success for them, now we see that attrition rate dramatically increase. Especially too, when you think about, you know, the, the, the 2020 year, right. With so much being virtual and then bleeding into 2021 as well. Like you're talking about kids that entered college last year or that are going to enter college this year that have maybe been an in-person school, like 20% of the time. And I know, and obviously I wasn't here for it, but that was a really big thing when COVID hit. Um, And, you know, in certain areas of the country, like obviously I'm sure up in Montana, it's like that. We're a little luckier because we're a little less densely populated. So the the risk was a little bit lower, but it was a really big deal for our head of school and for Bridgeton Academy to offer in-person schooling come late August, early September of 2020. You know, just because that's a big part of what we offer is that, you know, small class size, really, really close relationship with the faculty and staff. I mean, we have a staff of probably under 60 people here, you know, and our staff, our teachers aren't just teachers, right? They're on weekend duty. They're doing events throughout the week. They're dorm parents, they're advisors, you know, so there's, there's all the staff here wearing like an incredible amount of hats. So it's not just the Hey, yeah, that's just the teacher that I see for 50 minutes a day. You know, you're going to go see them for a lot of other time. And then back to your point about the education system too. My, my wife's a teacher as well. She teaches sixth and seventh grade. And I mean, she talks about it all the time. You know, she talks about like kids that they have in middle school who aren't ready to go to high school, but that's all the school is trying to do is just pushing them because that's, that's the ladder, right? You got to hit your benchmarks, even if you're not necessarily hitting your benchmarks. And one of my favorite things that she does is a, if, a, if a kid gets a whatever grade, 65, 70, whatever on an, on an assignment, they have the entire, either it's either the entire semester or the entire year to make it up. They can do it as many times over as they want. Cause that's the way my, my that's the way my wife views it. It's like, well, if you screw up and you screw up at your job or, you know, you, you mess up an assignment on a football play, like it's not over, like just do it again. Like that's, that's, isn't that learning, you know, like doing yeah. it again until you get it right or do it correctly. I mean, we just waded into some real deep waters potentially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's going to be people out there that, that because it's not the way it's typically done, that are going to view it as, as problematic. And, and we then have to ask ourselves, and this, is, this just goes to a deeper set of conversations. What's the goal, right? What's the, the outcome that we're looking for? There are absolutely times where we need high stakes, where we need an outcome to teach us so that we can learn and understand on a football field, you make a mistake there's going to be a consequence, right? You're going to potentially give up a first down, a drive continuing sort of situation, a touchdown. It might have consequences for your peers and your teammates, and you got to own that and carry it. And at the same time, you get another opportunity. You're going to have to make the same play next time, right? And so I absolutely believe in having stakes, right? In some contexts in life, right? And at the same time, the thing that you just spoke to that I love is how do we create robust systems of relationship that are going to create growth and learning and what's the goal? And so I, so I asked this question, I think you spoke to it a little bit, but as the head football coach, what's your goal for your athletes walking out the door in nine months? Getting to the college that they want to go to and going to play football there. You know, in in short, and obviously there's so many other little tributaries and details that come off of that. But I think, and this kind of circles back to, uh, I think, John, you asked the question, it might have been you, Jamie, about what drew me to Bridgeton Academy. And the mission of this place was what kind of drew me here was, and the previous head football coach says it in a video that's on the website you guys may have seen was, this is the first step towards becoming a man. And kind of what plays into that is the opportunity that the guys have here to fail but they're going to continue to get picked up because they're going to see, like I said, all these faculty members that are their coaches, their dorm parents, their advisors. I mean, they're seeing these people nonstop. And it's like, to me, it is, it is almost impossible to fail here. 
because we have there's faculty meetings once a week during the school year, and certain ones are dedicated to students of concern, students who are falling behind. You know, so it's not like because as we all know, right? I think, or at least you, Jamie, in the the public school system, even despite the no child left behind, kids get left behind. Kids just get buried, right? You you're at a high school of three thousand kids, like kids just fall behind. That doesn't happen here. Like you get, I think that's a huge thing that we have going for us is like, you are, you are going to get developed here or you're going to leave because you just don't want it. You just don't want to be developed, but like you are going to leave here with like a better work ethic, better time management skills, better discipline, which these are the kind of things I'm talking about that I hope, right. That the football players have and all the other kids, obviously at the school too, that they have when they leave here is that they learn those skills. You know, because a big thing for me is like, again, coaching college football for 10 years, want to run our practices like that so they know what to expect. Mm -hmm. Our guys have study hall five nights a week, every night that precedes a class day. So Sunday through Thursday night, they have study hall for 90 minutes a night. You know, so it's like if you're doing that for 33 weeks out of the year and you don't know how to study by the end of it, it's man, like what, what the hell, what, what were you doing? Yeah. So you talked, coach, a little bit about, OK, you have these meetings to say students of of need you know uh, risk whatever that i can't yeah. remember the term you used but concern yeah students concern. concern um aside from that and running your program like a college program as much as you can what are what are the other kinds of structures or systems in place there that help develop those things that you just talked about discipline accountability time management those things you know sure. outside of just football yeah for sure um so we have uh we every week on Thursday, we have uh, what, what, what's called chapel. And that's just because it's held in the chapel. And it's a it's a community, it's a community meeting. You know, it's a 30 to 40 minute meeting with announcements, sports reports, things about weekend duty. And uh, one of the things that I was able to see probably three or four of them because uh, I got here. My first day here was March 28th and graduation was May 7th. So I was only here for about five or six weeks with students on campus. And the students have uh, the ability to be able to get up in front of the group and talk to the group and help kind of develop one, their public speaking skills, but just kind of reflect on what kind of has, what's gotten them to where they are at Bridgeton and where they're trying to go beyond that. Um, we also too have uh, a lot of weekend activities uh, that our students take part in. Um, you know, a lot of them are staff facing when like where staff is present, sometimes they're not there. Um, what else? And I feel like I don't have a great answer for you guys on this one, just because I have, I still haven't gone through a year yet on this. Um, oh, but I, I think there's a ton of value in what you say. I, I hear the stand in front of your peers and, and acknowledge, you know, that's, that's an awesome skill to be learning and developing. And at the same time, like you're probably not going to stand up unless, right. You're unless we've created a safe place to do that, to create a relationship and a, and a normalcy around that. And then you say weekend activities. Well, we're drawn on our community, right. And we're trying to develop it. And, and, you know, I think one of the things that I think about in my experience, uh, you know, I, I transferred schools. And so at my first school, I, I was kind of deeply ingrained in the sports community yeah. because I was playing two sports at the time. What was, and like, what, was had, the, what was, what was the first school? I was at Augustana college in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Yep. And, and I was playing football and I was wrestling at the same time. And so I went from one group of athletes to another group of athletes. And like, I just didn't develop any sort of community relationships outside of sports. And right. If when you're on the football team, you're pretty close to the volleyball team because they're in and out of the, of the training room at the same time. They're like, you kind of sort of have similar schedules where you can support each other right they don't ever play on saturday like they play might play on a saturday night you just like get close to them went the wrestling team for some reason we were close to the softball team and so like those communities kind of hung out and it's like those were the groups of people i spent time with and i can understand how in a small place like that like it's not you're not just hanging out with the football team right you're not just hanging out with that group of people because it's a really small community and now we're actually going to encourage that interaction more broadly yeah and i think and i think you know kind of back to the original question about how we kind of build all those things time management and discipline is is i think it's the fact that we are the best of both worlds from a high school and a college standpoint where the guys they have the freedom to kind of have their own time to themselves right because they live in a dorm like a college campus but i think the time that we spend with them is so much more 
like a high school standpoint where like you think about a college, right? You go to the college football field for practice, you go to your dorm and it's, you know, whatever, half mile away. It's a ways away. We have a very small campus here. So like the kids are, the visibility is really, really high. So I, I almost think it's like we're coaching and teaching all the time, you know? So there's a lot of, there's, there's faculty and there's faculty here that are in their late thirties and faculty that are in their early twenties that are dorm parents, right. That are living right down the hall. And so I think a lot of teaching happens there from the adults, faculty, staff down to the students, but I think it happens the other way too, where the students come looking for advice as well, just because it's, there's, there really isn't for that nine month. I don't think there really is a ton of separation, you know, which I think is probably uncomfortable for a lot of them at first, you know, that it's like, I'm with with this, you know, the same group of 220 or so people, students, faculty, and staff, but then it becomes kind of that thing where I think they realize it's either at that point, you would say you're a month in, are you going to lean in or are you going to lean out? You know, and the kids, the kids who lean out are, I think those ones that end up either leaving the school or they don't get the most out of experience. But I think for the most part, kids lean in, right. And they realize that, okay, I have these people that really care about me in a place that there's really not anywhere to hide. I can now take advantage of all these people on campus to help improve myself. Coach, you, you've kind of alluded to, or mentioned a couple of times, you spent the last 10 years coaching in the college ranks. Yeah. Now some people might say, okay, you were coaching at colleges. This maybe is, maybe is a step back. I don't know. It's different, right? It certainly is different and it's unique. Yeah. So what made you decide? I mean, you talked about the values, but it's a kind of a non-traditional path to say, especially yeah. if you're coaching in college, generally what you're trying to do is continue to work your way up from, you know, grad assistant, whatever, assistant coordinator, someday be a head coach. Talk to, talk to us a little bit about kind of your decision to, to make this jump to a different type of scenario. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a question. I mean, you want to talk about what I wrestled with, right. Yeah. From the time, from the time of when uh, a, a good friend of mine, former colleague of mine who had worked here about six, seven years ago, came to my office and said, Hey, job's open. Just want to let you know. So from that, from then until when I said, and until I signed the contract, that was in my head a lot. Cause I yeah. really did, you know, I really have had such a, such a blessed career for the first 10 years, right? I, I started as an intern at Maine Maritime Academy, which is a really small school in Maine. Went back to my alma mater as a graduate assistant. And then I was at Colby. And I was a 25-year-old kid. And that was, pretty, that was my first job. Because, you know, interning GA, it's like, you're not quite yet a full job. Like, this was my first, like, okay, I, I am a football coach. Like, this is my full-time job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I went from being a part-time running backs coach to the full-time O-line coach and recruiting coordinator to then the offensive coordinator over the span of seven years. And I just, I had, it was such an awesome progression at Colby for two head coaches. Like it was just, it was awesome. It really was. And probably about, I don't know, within the last six months or so, you know, I, I had a, uh, my wife and I had a daughter uh, in March of last year. So she's about almost 15 months old. Um, So thank you very much. So, you know, obviously family is a, a really important thing in, in my life at this time. And, you know, it's, as you guys know, haven't, haven't done it. It's coaching is even where I am now. It's, it's a, it's a different lifestyle and I love my wife so much for she is just, she's down for it. You know, it is just, it is, it really is. I, I, so I lucked out by finding the person who is just, she's so on board with it and a huge football fan. And, you know, this, the season, I think a college season, specifically the way we were doing it at Colby, which has really helped Colby succeed. We had a division one head coach come in four years ago and the program is going to do a really amazing things, but you know, five fifty-five AM practices and just it, things just, I think, I, I think I probably got war, worn down a little bit by it. And then I was also kind of looking at my future at Colby with the head coach is older. He's in his sixties and probably got a couple years left. And you know, I was really lucky that he kind of kept us on when he took the job four years ago, because for like six, seven weeks, I was looking for jobs. You know, when our, yeah. the previous head coach was was gone, I was like, all right, we're, we're out of here. He kept us on. And, you know, I've kind of asked myself, all right, I could stick around for a couple more years and maybe have the chance to be the head coach at Colby or, OK, here's this great opportunity of, you know, a place that is not still in New England, still close to where my family is in the in the Boston area, a place where I can go kind of put my stamp on a program and me being the one that's, that's making the decisions, being the head coach. And then also to the, 
I just think that the family lifestyle and the family vibe here is, is really, really incredible. I mean, the first, I came, I came here for two interviews. My first interview was just me. The second interview was me and my wife. They invited my wife down. And the, the feeling we got that day from people on staff was, was how family oriented the campus is. I mean, I think there's like, there's like 27 kids under the age of 18 that either live on campus because almost all of staff lives on campus or like right across the street in campus housing, or they live really, really close by. And so, you know, with us having a young daughter, like just moving into that type of community where, you know, if, you know, I want to work from home one day, I can, I can do that on my own. I don't have to get that passed through anybody else, you know, like, so the, the lifestyle, right. Still being able to, to work in the game that I love and has been so unbelievable to me, even though, yes, I think some people do view it as that. And even I did for a while is, oh, geez, you know, college football. And now you're, you're sub college. What's more important to me, my, my career or my family. And I think the, the family really kind of, kind of won out. And Man, I, I, that resonates pretty deeply. I have a, a two and a half year old and a six month old. Um, you know, so we, we Congrats. know, we know full well how that just impacts the way that you think, right. Just like, and just the time commitment of your life, you know, and, and coaching, let's be real. I, I think a lot of, a lot of our listeners, a lot of the people that, that tune in regularly understand this at a deep level that coaching has to be imbalance in your life it, it just does because like we had a coach in college our, our defensive coordinator used to say coaching is teaching and teaching is coaching and one of the things that i wrote down is you said we teach and coach all the time right when it's who you are you will be doing it no matter what and so you're going to be doing it in the dorms you're going to be doing it at lunch you're going to be doing it in every interaction that you have you're teaching and you're coaching and at the same time it can't be everything Right. And I had, I had a conversation with, with a young athlete today about, you know, coming to the end of their career and, you know, they're going to go play some collegiate sports, but not the same sport, right. Not run track. And like the grief that's in that, the mourning period that is kind of in that it's over and it's ending. And yet, like we go through those phases with the kids, you know, and so we can be all, all in and have that sadness and that disappointment. And they, they want to feel that with us, right? The kids want to experience, like want us to have that experience with them. And so sometimes we do, and we get really invested and yet you have to go home to a life that is not all consumed by the fact that their season is over. <laughs> you know, right. it's yeah, just, right, right, right. it's so, ch it's such a challenging dynamic. And, and I, I kind of love the idea of being around other people that are all in bought in, and then they're like, they kind of get it, you know, they, they, that's your community. Also, I would, I'd be drawn to it. And it was, it was another kind of a big, it's a, this is a, a challenge for me now. And it's crazy that it, it, I'm posing this not as a challenge, but the, the fact my life hasn't been like this the last 10 years, but I'm, I think I'm going to now spend more time with student athletes than I ever have in my career yeah. because, and the guy, the guy, the guy that I had coached with that came popped in my office and said, Hey, the job's open. He used to say this about, or he actually, he didn't say, he used to say it very indirectly. And once I, once I got here, I started realizing, oh, this is why he loved that place so much was when we were coaching together um, at Colby, you know, he co we coached together for two years. He was a, he was a former division one athlete. He had a, a kick around the NFL and CFL for a couple of years. And uh, still, he's a very high level trainer, still works out of the state of Maine. And he used to, what he used to hate at Colby is that we didn't have enough time with our student athletes, not in season, but out of season. And now Colby's in a league called the NESCAC, the New England Small College Athletic Conference, which is Williams, Amherst, Trinity, Wesleyan, Bowdoin, Tufts, Hamilton, really, really high academic schools that has really restrictive out of season rules. So you think about most college football teams in the country, you have spring ball. There's no spring ball in the NESCAC. And now that's changed the last couple of years because of COVID and hopefully it stays. But for his first year, we had the season and then like, we can't be in the weight room. That's against NESCAC rules. And we have no spring ball. So we're seeing our kids for maybe an academic check every couple of weeks. And, you know, maybe in a, at a basketball game, whatever, but like for nine, like eight, nine months out of the year, you really don't have a ton of contact with your student athletes. And he hated it. And then he used to always talk about how much he loved his two years at Bridgeton Academy. And then when I got here, 
I'm like, oh, that's why he loved this place. You're, yeah. you're with, you're with them all the time. Like you're with them, helping them, just helping them grow up, helping them be better athletes, helping them be better students, you know? Yeah. That, that was what struck me when you said, I'm going to be with them more often. And most of it probably is outside of football. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and, and I think every, that's, yeah, go ahead. Every, like every, like I'm going to have even kids that aren't on the football team either. You know, like every, every staff member here has yeah. a, a group of advisees. So I'm going to have four or five advisees next year. Two of them might be football players, but the other two or three will be a baseball, a soccer, a lacrosse player. So even kids, even kids that I'm not directly coaching, but I'm going to see once a week during the academic year, you know? Yeah. And so they get, to, they get a chance to build that relationship too, and, and know that they have somebody that, that, like you said, is not going to let them fall behind and not going to let them go by the wayside. I mean, John, think about how much time we spent in the coaches. I mean, like we just yeah. lived there. Right. I mean, we, granted, we, we could have coaches in the weight room. We could have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, film time in the, in the off season. We could, and we're division three also like lived yeah. in the coach's office. Right. I mean, it's kind of a convenient setup building wise at our place, but, but like, we just were in there all the time. Right. I mean, 10 AM. Yeah. Maybe not 10 AM. Yeah. Sorry. Well, but, people. but also I think, I think as a coach, right. Most coaches get into coaching because they want to impact young people and help them be a better version of themselves. And yes, we want to win and we want to compete and we want to give them all those things too. And so now you're talking about an environment where yes, you're high competitive, high level football or other sports. And now you get to impact these kids. Now, my question to you is, is a time thing. And I, I know this is maybe not fair because you haven't really been there for a full year, yeah. but, and so maybe it's, it's something that you've been thinking about too, but you talked about, okay, they're there nine months. I think as a coach, you know, you talk about high school and you talk about college, high school, you get two, three, four years, depending on how big a school you're at college, you get five years, six years, whatever it is to develop a team culture, to develop camaraderie yeah. to, to d- develop this thing where we're all moving this same direction. And I'm sure this is huge in, in your brain. Oh my I'm, God, I'm yeah. just curious because I think if you can figure it out doing what you're doing right now, I think a ton, months, right? I, yeah, right, a ton yeah. of coaches should be able to say, Hey, how can I grab onto this? And now I compound it because I do have more time, but so that's maybe I, my question is, no, no, how, you're, do you, how do you do it in nine months? And, it's and like, realistically it's, like, it's less, right? It's like you're in, it's like you're in my brain. Seriously. Yeah. I remember thinking that this is, I don't know, three, somewhere between three to six years ago, as I've been in the state of Maine and just, you know, I've been really close to Bridgeton Academy and have coached uh, Bridgeton Academy kids up at Colby is I used to always think that I'm like, man, think about like, I think about my time at Colby where, you know, you're installing your offense and your defense during preseason. And it's like, yeah, you want the, you want the freshmen to get it. And you'll have a couple that do and are really good players that play for you early on. But for the most part, you got sophomores, juniors, seniors that know the stuff and, you know, they go out there and they're showing by example. Every single kid is learning it for the first time when they show up. So I used to th- I used to think that a few years ago and I was like, man, I don't I, I wouldn't want that job. <laughs> and, then, and then here I am, you know. Yeah. Um, and like I just sat, I just sat down with our defensive coordinator yesterday to kind of go through our defense, you know, so I could kind of understand it a little bit more and. You know, he had, he had such a really good, he, and he's a, he's a Bridgeton alum. He's, he graduated here in 88 and he's coached here for about 15 years. And he has such a great mindset about what we do here with him being an alum and him having such a close connection to the school of like, he's like, look, we're, we're, we're teaching the kids how to think and how to make decisions. Wow. He's like, cause he's like, cause what's, what's the point of us teaching them to, to know how Bridgeton football wants to play defense. Like they're doing it, they're doing it for a season and then they're gone. So we got to teach them about we got to teach them more about the game of football rather than the specifics of Bridgeton Academy offense, defense, and special teams, you know, and then John to kind of your other question, like, you know, I think the kid, the kids that come here are pretty, I think, you know, obviously most kids that play sports are obviously very competitive, but when you think about a hundred and call it 170 young men on campus next year, 167 of them playing sports, an unbelievably competitive environment. And if we have 50 kids on the football team, they're all coming here to try to play college football, right? And so they're coming into a situation with 49 other guys who are all trying to do the same thing. And like, there's one of two things that are going to happen is it's, you're going to do it for yourself and not be a great team player and just try to get recruited, 
or everyone can really string together and both things can happen, right? Everyone can get recruited and we can win, you know? So I've been, I've been thinking about like my first address to the team pretty much every day since I got hired about like, guys, we need to be each other's biggest fans, biggest supporters. Like your success has to be this guy's success. Like if we, if we, if we play this thing that you're just trying, you're here to get yours and be able to move on to the next level, you're going to have a terrible experience and our team is going to be terrible. Like we have to be able to be in this thing together so we can all achieve what we want on an individual level. And it really is, it's, it really is a big challenge. I mean, we should, we show up in three and in three weeks we play a game, you know, and like, <laughs> and I, that used to be like, that's, and that's what it was at uh, in the NESCAC at Colby was yeah. we had a really, we had a really short preseason. And so we used to complain about, man, we get 17 practices and then we're playing game one. But again, that's with kids who have been in the program for one, two, three years. Whereas now it's, it's all freshmen, it's all freshmen. And so, yeah, it's, it's gotta happen. It's gotta happen pretty quickly. Well, I love the frame that you put around it. Right. And I, and I think about this too. I have, a, I have an extreme bias against complexity, although anybody that listens to this podcast would think the opposite is true because I go pretty complex pretty quickly, but like, as a coach, I want to simplify. I want to, I want to bare bones as much as possible and then add layer later. Right. And I think at like what you just said to me kind of pitched me on this idea of like, I want to coach in that environment for a couple of reasons. Number one, I don't have to get super specific about scheme because we can't, we have to keep it simple. So what do we do? We teach broad strokes of the game. What a great place for all of us as coaches to peel back and say, no, 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 no. Let's teach the game. Right. Because if, you know, and I always looked at my job, as a coach is like, I need to prepare my athlete for the next level. If I'm coaching elementary wrestling, I want to make junior high wrestlers, right? If I'm coaching junior high track and field, I want to make varsity track and field athletes. If I'm coaching high school football, I want to make college football players, right? So the, the goal is that they aren't doing the same thing I'm teaching them next, right? They need to be doing whatever the next person teaches them because I want to give them an opportunity to compete at the next level. And, you know, some organizations will have that layered so that your elementary kids are doing what your high school kids are doing. Some places don't. Right. So, so how do we then get, how do we strip down that stuff and just teach, teach the game broadly? I think that's, that's an awesome thing. And then, and then you say your success is my success, our success together, like very, very rarely, right in life, do we get put into a situation where everybody's going to be here next year? Everybody's going to be here three weeks from now. Everybody's going to be here six months from now. And so we have to like, there's constant movement, right? Life is going to have this. So like, we have to be in, in the mindset that someone else's success is going to dictate my success, right? Throughout every part of our existence. And I think that's why we love football. Yeah. But I've never thought about it from a one-year perspective. I've always thought about it from a four-year, five-year develop a program perspective. And just having that lens, like coaches, zoom out for a second so that you can say, what if I only had a year? What would I do? That's an amazing question. And it's it's one of those things, too, that I've heard from, you know, other coaches here and the previous head coaches. It's like, if you do something one year and it sucks – you can change it pretty easily for next year because you're not going to have to reteach it to any kids, you know, yeah. like you, the kids won't know any different the next year. Uh, and, and J- so Jamie, you, you were talking and all I could think about during that whole time is what you said, coach, we teach them how to think and make decisions. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I, I started thinking about, you know, one of the things we try to do is obviously this is a sports related podcast, but m- more often it's life. Right. And so, I think about all of our organizations, no matter what field of whether it's education, healthcare, mental health, business, it doesn't matter, right? Can you teach your people how to think and make decisions? Or are you teaching them to do what I need you to do right this second? Right. Wow, man, what a challenge and what a cool, um, cool environment to be in. But coach, I, man, I'm so excited for you. I, I would love to have you back after maybe after year one. And, yeah, and see what I, I, uh, I would hope. I'll hopefully know a lot more about myself in this place a, a year from now. You know, getting through it. But 
Well, and also even that, right? Like yeah. you're going to learn a ton about yourself um, and, yeah. and, you and you're putting in it, you're putting yourself in a spot to do that. And what a, also what a cool challenge to take on regardless of anything else that's going on. If we can keep putting ourselves in positions to learn more about ourselves and our family yep. and, get, and get better at what we do, man. What a and cool I think, thing. and that, and that was another piece of, I think, I think John, you asked the question about like, why, like why Brisbane? Yeah. I, I don't like to be uncomfortable. You know, I, I know there's people that say like, Oh, you gotta be uncomfortable, man. That means you're growing. Like I love being uncomfortable. It's like, okay. Like that might be for you, but like, I want to, I want to be comfortable. I don't want to, I don't want to be in a situation <laughs> and not know people and be comfortable, but I had been cold. Coldly college was the, was the longest thing I'd ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. Seven years was the, it was the longest thing outside of being a son and a brother and a human being on the planet earth. It was the longest thing I'd ever done. So whether I made that decision consciously or subconsciously, I think that was part of it was I was like, not that I wasn't challenged at Colby with what we needed to do, but it just, it had gotten not stale, but it just, I had been there. I kind of, I, I felt like maybe I had kind of maxed out what I could do there, whether I knew that or not, or if I'm realizing that right now, but you know, the, the last six, seven weeks I've, I've been put in so many more uncomfortable and uncomfortable just from the standpoint of, I don't know. Like, I don't know yeah. Bridge Academy yet, you know? So the last six, seven weeks has been like some of the most stressful, rewarding, exhilarating, confusing six or seven weeks that I've had in like set, like probably six, seven, eight years. Yeah. And, and like you say, right. I mean, you're not Jocko, right. You're not Jocko Willink and you're going to say good to every single thing that comes up. That's not everybody. Right. I mean, so create those situations for yourself on occasion, subconsciously or consciously go out and seek challenge, seek change, seek growth. Right. And, and we'll see what happens. Like John says, I, I hope like crazy, we can connect in six months after a football season and say, what do you know now? You didn't know then, man. And so uh, thank you so much for joining us and, and giving us the opportunity to pick your brain about a really unique and cool situation. And, and we wish you nothing but the best. Thank you guys very much, John. John, I really appreciate the invitation and Jamie, both you guys. It's it's really been really cool talking with you. Thanks coach. Jamie, good things happen when you put yourself in a position for them to happen. Right. And you, and you stretch yourself. Like we talked about in, in this conversation, like I didn't have any connection to coach Dugan. He randomly emailed me and now we have that conversation. What an awesome time to, to share what they're doing out there and kind of his vision for it and, and what they're doing to, to grow young men to ultimately to live eyes up, what we talk about Absolutely. all the time. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing that I love about it is, you know, we, talk, we, we try and preach this message, right? Put yourself in a position, right? The more you do something, the more you create that exposure for yourself, the more likely an opportunity is going to come out of it. Right. And so not asking the question, you know, and I am 130% guilty of this. I don't want to hear no. I don't want somebody to tell me no, because I think that it means they don't like me or that I've done something to them or that I've been an inconvenience, that I've been a problem to them by asking them a question. If the worst thing that you get is no, right. And one of the things we're learning is that most of the time you don't even get that, right. Like, but okay, it's, it's not the end of my day for someone to say, nope, it doesn't work for me right now. Like, well, and then if they say yes, right. It reminds me of something he said. I have, it's one of my notes that I wrote down. It, it's not over. Keep learning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When we hear no, when we fail, when we have a setback, it's not over most for of the sure. time. Yes. Certainly there are times where there's a finality to some things, but most of the time it's because of something else and we're moving on to a different thing. Absolutely. Else. And, and the finality is it is a growth opportunity. Also, yeah. right? It's an opportunity to learn and say, Oh man, that hurt. Cause it's over. The one thing I would think about, and I think a lot of, you know, people are like, well, that's a really unique experience. It's a one-year deal. It's nine months. What can I take from it? I mean, I think about from a coaching perspective or a teaching perspective, he's just talking about how high visibility the whole staff is like, what is your visibility in your company, in your organization, as the leader, as the coach, how often are people having the opportunity to just have a low level conversation with you to connect, to create those? How often are you teaching and coaching? Is it just in practice? 
Is it just in the meeting that you get to have? How often are you developing your people or is it constant? Is it a part of who you are and what you do all the time and in every interaction? I just think like those two things. Yeah, it's a unique situation, but it's not not something we can't replicate in our own lives and in our own experiences. I just thought that 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 is such a tangible thing to say, okay, how visible am I really? Yeah. The, the other thing, and we just talked about it not that long ago in this conversation, but it's the, are you teaching people and not only for yourself, but the people that you're leading and growing how to think and make decisions on their own. Right. And I just so think good. about the organizations that I work in and some of them are good at that. And people are in certain departments within organizations are good at that. Right. But how can we continue to grow everybody? My, my success is your success. How freaking simple is that, Jamie? Yeah. And well, but then he goes, oh, that's why he loved this place, right? That thing stuck out to me. Oh, that's why that guy loved this place so much. You know, Coach Miller used to say, you don't know your culture sucks until you've been in a different culture. You don't know a culture is great until you've been inside of it either, right? You don't know what's good about someplace. You hear somebody talk about it. You hear the conversation about it. Then you go and put yourself in it. Right? Just that same thing. Put yourself out there. Put yourself on then you find out all the details that make it really special. Why is it special? Because we've decided that our success is continuing upon everybody here being on the same page because we're highly visible because we create these really powerful relationships in a short period of time. Like, I don't know, man, it's so good. And we want to teach people how to think because we don't have another choice. Like that's the only way we're going to be successful is if we create thinkers and decision makers. Yeah. Awesome stuff today. Appreciate you joining us and getting better alongside us. And as always, live eyes up.